The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. And uh, today we're blessed to have a friend of Medjugorje back in the studio with us. And, of course, that does not mean that the book, They Fired the First Shot, is finished yet, but uh, it is still being worked on and to completion. So, again, we ask you to please keep that in prayer as he continues to go through this book and Our Lady inspires him uh, to lead this wherever it is that she desires it to go. This is Radio Wave Medjugorje with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Gas prices are dropping. Here we're in into summer, headed through spring. Prices always grow, go up. What do you make of that, or what are you to make of that? There's many reports out now that the United States of America is growing more independent on its energy. They have natural gas flowing out in such a surplus that the price is falling and crashing. Even reports that they might just have to blow off some of the gas. We've discovered so much. Things give the appearance of really looking good at this moment. But an hour before an earthquake, people are going to the park, they're going to work, they're going to school. They're planning a weekend. 
One hour later, life has changed. There's reports that foreclosures are down. All this can be interpreted to mean, oh, everything's recovering, everything's getting better. Is it really? Are we one hour before an earthquake? Obviously, politics is driving the price of fuel down. I can't even remember that fuel didn't go up in the summertime. They made more profit, more people travel, vacations. And yet it's going down. Is it really a true sign that things are getting better? Is it really a true sign that we have energy dependence all of a sudden? Or why was it not there too much? Independence, rather. Why was it not there three years ago? Why suddenly is this open up? How are we into, to interpret these things? I was out and heard a commercial on the radio by the U.S. government. It's real anonymous. And it starts off saying with a woman, what if you're away from your family and you can't get back to them? Then something to the effect, what happens if you're not able to travel? What if something took place where you were separated from other people? That's the gist of the commercial. It's real ominous. And of course, it's on bready.gov. Our lady's word says be ready. What does the U.S. government know that you don't know and you should know? They know what's going on with the economy. They know they've overspent. They know that we're trillions of dollars in debt. They know if there's a breakdown economically of the system, that not only will you have people going hungry, you have mass killings, you have crime, you have pillage, thievery, robbery. The man within 15 days will turn into a savage. They know these things. See if you can look this commercial up. Be ready. It's an amazing commercial, a revelation. And yet on the other side, part of the government's giving up. Everything's good. Foreclosures are down. Why are they down? Because banks are becoming aggressive with short sales. So when you know the answer, it's not a positive thing. They're being aggressive trying to figure it out. To get people to sell these houses, they take the loss. The banks will. To get people out of the house. It's just repackaged. Just like the wording and verbiage of happy hour. If you want to go see sad people, lonely people, go to happy hour. Why do they call it that? Because it's not happy hour. If you got a family, you got home, you want to be there. Things going your way or you got friends to be, you'll be doing something else. Oh, they're smiling, they may be laughing. But is it really happy hour or the side hour? Don't go by what's reported to you. Go by what is. How are we to govern ourselves? What kind of decisions decisions do we need to be making at this moment? We're in a very serious time. 
an incredible serious time, some of the most important in history, in history of the world. We picked this morning a message for the community. Of course, today's Thursday. Today's Ascension, right? Ascension Thursday. And we pick April 4th, 1985. And in the message, at the header in Words from Heaven, it says, Holy Thursday. Do you think that's by chance? Do you think this is a coincidence? No, we open an avenue for a lady to speak to us. She says, I want to speak to you. Listen to me. So we put it into our life. I instituted years ago into the community that would pick a message every day so our lady could have an apparition, the same thing, and speak to us what she wants us to say. We've been praying in preparation for our lady to come here July 1st to the 5th for purification of the community. First, for purification of our own hearts. To do whatever she has to do that anything that's not of God in us be removed or even remove us. So we picked this message. It starts off with the date, April 4th, 1985, Holy Thursday. Today's Thursday. Today's Ascension Thursday. Dear children, I thank you for having started to think more about God's glory in your hearts. Of course, this is what we've been doing. We've been praying for purification. Removed everything that's not of God and what's left. If we're seeking God, His glory. Today is a day when I wish to stop giving the messages because some individuals did not accept me. This parish, and we could put that and change parish to this community because we ask for this message daily for us and our direction. That's how you can apply the messages to you, what she's saying. It's easy for us to convey that. Not making 15 out of one. She might as well just said that to us. This community has been moved. And I wish to keep on giving you messages. As it has never been. Our lady could have stepped there with a message. And we could take that and say, she's given us messages as it has never been. What does that mean to you? She goes further. She wants to define what it means when she says, it has never been. Giving you messages as, as it has never been. With these words she has. In history. She could have stopped there with the message. This parish has been moved and I wish to keep on giving you messages as it has never been in history. What are you to think about that? What do you think about this moment of time we live in? That this heavenly being that will not lie, cannot lie, cannot say but truth, is saying, I wish to give you messages as it has never been. She could have stopped there. She didn't. She adds the words in history. She could have stopped there and she didn't. She adds the words from the beginning of the world. And you think these are just simple messages? You think maybe I can pay attention or not or opt in and out of it? I wish 
to keep on giving you messages as, as it has never been. Then she emphasizes in history. Then she asks, so a third time, you make sure she understands never been means from the beginning of the world. Go back to the beginning. In the beginning, there was the Word. John writes in his gospel. And the Word was made flesh. These words of our lady are echo of the Word of the flesh, her Son. And you wouldn't know how to navigate if you followed them. You wouldn't know what decisions you need to be making. It may not be perfect. It may not be clear. But you don't have to. You just surrender. Dear children, today, apply that message, whatever those words may be. And with that, and you live in your life for God, you're praying. You become our lady's soldier. You become her follower in everything she says. And you start realizing we're in a special time. As she said in 98, somewhere around that time, June, it was June 25th, 97, 98, 99, right in there. You are in a particular time, or rather this particular time. I would say that's safe to understood in the context that I wish to give you messages as it has never been in history from the beginning of the world. And you're busy an hour before the earthquake? And you believe things are getting better? Why would the Mother of God come to us and say such a message? Never since the world was created are you receiving what she's given. This is unique. You say, well, Jesus Christ came. How about that? Jesus Christ didn't come down purely divine. He was divine in man. Our Lady's coming purely divine to speak to the whole world, to guide the whole world. As never in history, not even Jesus' days do we have what she's doing now. It's not to say that's in competition or this supplants it, but never in this unique way has this happened. And you're preoccupied with your day? You're preoccupied with what you want? You have to start wanting what God wants. When that takes place, then everything changes for you. I fear for my family. I'm frightened. I'm afraid of the future. Words heard all across our sick nation. Do not be afraid. A gift of peace is yours. Apparitions of Mary through Christian history comes in such times as these. The world needs a mother. Be present for five apparitions of the Virgin Mary to Medjugorje visionary Maria to consecrate yourselves, families, and nation to God. Join thousands across the nation July 1st through 5th, 2012 at Caritas, Alabama. A 4th of July experience that will heal your heart, the nation, and change your life. Call 205-672-2000, 205-672-2000. 
or visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com. Five Apparitions with the Queen of Peace, Caritas, Alabama, July 1st through 5th. See medj.com. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. So as to continue, we're getting reports that everything is peaceful and security is growing. Do we sign relief seeing the fuel prices coming down? Foreclosures? All these other things are beginning to look good? And Thessalonians, it says, chapter 5, verse 2, it says, when people say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as travel comes upon a woman with a child who's given birth when there's no escape. And so it is. Every indicator, everything our lady's doing, and she's doing this for 30 years now, plus, as never before in history, is worthy of your contemplation and evaluation of where are you and what are you doing. You may never know when that hour before something's going to happen happens or the minute. Well, you have, from one moment to the next, is peace and security, and suddenly you're face staring at you in a moment that you may be losing it. The Hudson River runs through New York Joan, City. You need to say where this comes from first. I mean, yeah. to correct you on that every show. <laughs> okay. uh, this comes from a a preacher. His name is Tony Evans, and um, he just wrote a book called "The Kingdom's Man." The Hudson River runs through New York City. At one point, actually separating Manhattan from the New Jersey border. The Hudson swells with both history and heritage. It is also one of the most scenic rivers in the United States, earning it the nickname of America's Rhine. In 2009, during the icy cold month of January, when birds flew straight into the engines of U.S. Airways Flight 1549, immediately after the plane's takeoff, simultaneously shutting down both engines, With only minutes until what seemed like an inevitable disaster, the pilot contacted the air control tower to seek clearance for rerouting and an emergency landing. He was told to return to LaGuardia Airport. At that point, the captain, Chelsea B. Sullenberger III, had to make a decision. The airport wasn't close enough for landing, so Sullenberger's only option was to ditch the plane in the Hudson. Yet landing a wide-bodied commercial plane on water without accruing fatalities was unlikely. Solenberger, a veteran pilot of four decades, was acutely aware that the odds were not in favor of his surviving. Having served as a flight instructor, accident investigator, and flight crew instructor, Solenberger didn't have to dig too deep in his mind to ascertain what the outcome could be. Yet with two engines out and nowhere else for the plane to go, Solenberger took charge of the realm for which he was responsible. 
Against the backdrop of passengers crying out for someone to bring order to the chaos, Sullenberger made a few quick adjustments, kept the plane just high enough to fly over the George Washington Bridge, and did what few pilots have ever attempted to do. He ditched the plane in the river. Ninety seconds before landing, he addressed the frantic cries of the passengers, stating calmly, Brace for impact. What happened next was nothing short of a perfect textbook ditching. In order for a plane not to break up on water impact, it has to land at precisely the correct speed as well as at precisely the correct level. Solenberger gently pulled up on the nose of the plane, leveled the wings, and adjusted the speed simultaneously upon hitting the water to prevent the plane from breaking into a thousand pieces And he did this with a jarring, violently vibrating 80-ton piece of metal. While the icy cold water began to pour inside the plane after landing, passengers and crew rushed to the emergency exits as Captain Solenberger directed the evacuation. Once the last person was off of the airplane, Solenberger made two more passes through the length of the plane to be certain that everyone had gotten off safely. With water midway up the interior, Solenberger was the final person to disembark Flight 1549. All souls on board survived. The years Solenberger exercised responsibility as an Air Force pilot, an accident investigator, an airline safety consultant and safety manager, let alone more than 19,000 hours logged of uneventful flight time, had prepared him with the necessary skills and mindset to rule the realm of his plane well, rather than his plane ruling him. As a result, Solenberger not only prevented his own teenage daughters from becoming orphans and his wife from becoming a widow, but he also preserved the lives and legacies of 155 people, the youngest of which was a nine-month-old boy. New York Governor David Patterson called the incident the miracle on the Hudson. 155 people survived a crash landing on the Hudson because one man operated with responsibility in his realm. An interesting fact about the Hudson River that I didn't mention earlier is that it is one of only a few rivers that runs in two directions. While tides from the Atlantic move the river northward, the origin of the river at Lake Tier of the Clouds also moves the currents southward. Before being named the Hudson River, it was called by a local American Indian tribe, a name which means the river that flows two ways. Life has a way of also flowing both ways. Yet a lot of that depends on you. A lot of that depends on whether you are a kingdom man who responsibly rules with consistency and wisdom according to the guidelines and governances set in God's word. Or whether you are a man of this world, leaving those under your influence, vulnerable not only to what life brings their way, but also vulnerable to themselves as a result of the chaos that you have either made or allowed. Solenberger didn't land his plane on the water simply because he thought it would be an awesome thing to do. In order to be the hero that day, he had to show up day in and day out, year in and year out, decade in and decade out, intentionally and consistently applying himself to ruling his realm well. Captain Solenberger's commitment to meet the expectations of those he serves in the aviation industry 
ought to inspire each of us to an even greater level of dedication in fulfilling that which the King of the universe has called us to do. The King has given you a rule book by which you are to govern, by which you are to rule, lead, make decisions, direct, guide, and align your life choices. This rule book is His Word. When you lead according to what He says in His Word, He will back you with the authority you need to carry it out. Yet when you don't, you are on your own. Men, many tomorrows will be determined by how well you rule today. Is it without significance that Our Lady comes 30 years parallel on this pilot who for 40 years, day in, day out, did what he did, had been preparing for this one event. He got through it. Do you want to go through the impact of society's breakup and break up with it? Or do you want to follow all these teachings, her schooling, and make spiritual and physical decisions now Year in and year out, 30 years of experience. That when that moment comes, you won't make a spontaneous decision to save yourself spiritually or physically. You'll have been prepared. If our lady's covenant as it has never been to speak to us from the beginning of the world is not for us to ignore and have the attitude, well, I'll deal with it when it happens. And this is a prevalent attitude about everything. Well, if the economy crashes, then I'll deal with it. This mentality is developed because we, we can go fix almost any problem. You get sick, you go to the doctor, you cut yourself, you get stitches. You got this difficulty, you go do this. Something plumbing breaks, you call a plumber. You, we, we live in a fixed society and we're conditioned that while we might not be able to do it because of money at that moment, the possibility is there to fix it. But what happens when everything's out of your control? What happens when God takes over and divine judgment comes upon us? And divine judgment is not necessarily God's wrath, but just leaving man to himself. That's scarier. I'd rather be underneath God's wrath than God just letting man's kingdom that he built crash down on himself out of control. That's scary. When God's doing it, you put him in charge. He's the pilot. A lady's helping to run the show. It's not going to be without some things that's very disconcerting. You think everybody on the plane like, oh, this pilot's good. He's going to take care of it. No, they knew their life was not an hour before the earthquake, but a minute. 90 seconds. Prepare. Brace yourself. What do you think was going on in these people's minds? There's some incredible stories. One I wrote about when this story happened about a guy who did divine chaplet who had found a, in his briefcase, had left, been out of the church, hadn't gone confession, and found it there, and for some reason had this impulse to pray. He was praying the divine chaplet for the first time when this was going on happening. He knew Our Lady saved him. So is Our Lady going to save you? He, they went through a frightful walk land in this water. Then they were freezing. They didn't know if they were still going to drown when they were standing on the wings of the plane. They didn't know if they were still going to be there to safety until they got there. Suppose the plane went kaplump while they had to wait after rescue boat after rescue boat came and got them off the wings. You remember the pictures? Standing in water knee deep. Somehow the plane's floating. 
That wasn't safe at that point. How long do you last in freezing cold January weather in the Hudson? Not very long. No more than a few minutes, if you could last that long from the shock of the water and the temperature. That wasn't safe even in the catastrophe, only until they knew they were on the boat and back on the docks. Our ladies coming as never before in history to get you on the boat, her ark, to the safe haven, the dock, the church, the holy church. And yet, we go along with one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. Can you imagine some of them doing that? And the boat pulling away and they drop in the water and drown anyway? How many would go to that point? Because they won't make the decisions, I'll deal with it later, or I'll get by, I'll just make a little bit more money, I'll make a little bit more investment. It is, our lady said, the time to make your decisions. She said, make a decision. Decide my children. And yet, we want to cling to this hope of tomorrow's. And there can be, and there will be. We don't know how much we'll suffer. Those people suffered cold. They were numb. Maybe someone had frostbite standing out there for that while. So it's not, no matter what happens, we're not going to come through this clean. We just hope that we have a pilot flying the plane that can get us through this to safety, to a new way of life that she brings us to. Frank? Yeah, so you, you speak of uh, an earthquake, and it, particularly if an earthquake happens at the bottom of the ocean, if you've ever uh, seen tsunami victims, minutes before it's very peaceful, and you don't really know what has happened until it's upon you. And um, David Morgan says the monetary base is like the ocean. Take the whole monetary base. The amount of gold is like an Olympic swimming pool. The amount of silver is like a child's wading pool. And a little bit comes out of this monetary base and flows out of the Olympic pool into this to the little child's wading pool. It doesn't take much. But we saw a billion dollars come out of the banks in Greece, run on the banks. We got news that J.P. Morgan has lost over $2 billion, an undisclosed amount, and certainly could be many, many times that, as they have $70 trillion in derivatives, and exposure to these things that can't happen. We can't have bank runs in the system that we're in. It, it's too heavy. It's too systemic. And so what else you've seen since never before, since the beginning of monetary history, is silver's value being what it is. I can say emphatically, mathematically, with history as a backdrop, there's no possible way silver's intrinsic value could be even even twice what it is. There's no event in the world that could happen that silver's intrinsic value could be anywhere near here. Silver, a tenth of an ounce was a man's wage for the day till the 17th century. Then we get fractional reserve banking, where we're loaning way more money than we have assets, tricking the market into believing there's more gold and silver. And then this was the birth of the banking system we have today, which is we went from fractional reserve banking to fiat money, and we have no banking. So 
sitting in paper, waiting for the inevitable tsunami, mathematical certainty, not prophecy anymore. I can't think of an asset that you don't, conservatively speaking, have the chance of losing 90% of your purchasing power. The complete opposite exists. We've only been here where we are today, trading in the price of silver one day in the last year. That was a thinly traded market in December. We only had one close below 28. So we have to take responsibility, as you say. It's, this is our fault. We haven't lived our Sabbaths. The, the children of God have not lived their Sabbaths. And we have to take responsibility for the problems that we've caused. And we have to exit the system. That's what this show's about. We have to, the whole world is choosing mammon. Charlie Munger, the Warren Buffett's right-hand man, uh, vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, says, anyone owning gold is like a family in Vienna in 1939, like the Jewish family in Vienna in 1939. Civilized people don't buy gold, they buy businesses. Well, Berkshire Hathaway is about, in the last 10 years, it's down 80% in terms of gold and silver, real money. And this statement is a desperate statement. Becky Quick at CNBC that was interviewing him didn't raise an eyebrow, didn't say, what did you just say? She might as well said, who can fight the beast? Who's like the beast? You know, stay in the system. Don't exit it. Put your money into businesses so that it will maybe we have a few more weeks for the crash or a few more months or a few more years. But inevitably, they're terrified. Anyone that knows what's going on, they're desperately trying to hold up the faith-based system. CNBC probably carries this weight on their shoulders that the dollar's based on faith. You know, we, we have to you beat the drum and keep the faith up in the dollar. So you have an opportunity to get out now and invest in something that's never been before since the history of silver as money. There's no precedent. There's no precedent that silver would be 55 to 1 to gold. It was 15 to 1 in 1792. But they say world inventories of gold are over 5 billion. All the silver that's mined is not 10 to 1. There hasn't been 50 billion ounces of silver mines from the beginning of time. Most of that has been consumed in industry. A good percentage of that will never be recovered anywhere near these prices. It's thrown into landfills because of unnatural prices. So this is an opportunity to repair the damage that we've done and be in a position to help in the future. Transitionally, a lot of people are waiting to get land. Where do you want to keep those assets while you're looking for land? In something safe and finite, created by God, God's system, or in the mammon that has a potential risk of a earthquake happening beneath the ocean today. We don't know when it's going to happen. To clarify what you're saying uh, about the whole monetary system, all the money out there is as vast as the oceans across the world. To look at that in the view of an Olympic-sized pool filled with gold, all that vast ocean would back that limited amount, very small small amount of gold if it was had to be back because this paper is with that value 
if people lost their, their faith goes away, you have to back it with something. And the goal would be doing that. That's what you're comparing to. So you see how vast this thing has overshot. And we've talked before that if we back every dollar up now, it would take like fifty-six or $60,000 per ounce. Now, that was a year ago we looked at that. If you do the same thing with silver, and silver should be the Olympic-sized poo rather than the Charles poo, waiting poo should be the gold. But it's reversed because now we have more gold available than silver because we're consuming it. When you said landfills, for the people out there, Frank's talking about washing machines, hair dryers, cell phones, etc. Use the silver in that. And it's minute amounts. But when you start going into the billions of products, it's totaling over 45% of all silver mined going into industry, most of which has never recovered. So we're doing away with the polybatic metal that is one of the first ones that's disappearing. That said, how does this calculate out when silver is being suppressed and pushed down in price? It's the place to put your money. It's said in the sense that if you bought higher, you don't want to. You want to wait till that goes up. If you can't go buy your land, you put it in something you know will be there if the earthquake hits one hour from now. Better to lose a little bit on your silver than to lose everything on the dollar when when that does happen. And it's a game they're playing this, and they're gonna play it for all's worth. And you can bet it's gonna go at least to the election because they're gonna do everything they can not to make something fall that would cause the president not to get reelected. And so all these factors are playing. But we can see, we can sense, and the book, they tried the first shot, is about a lot of these different things. Not necessarily about silver, it's from a different angle. But it will go into these things to help you see that we we have to act now and not tomorrow. You need to make decisions, and there's decisions you can make. Our part comes in about talking about silver is to spread conversion through the miraculous metal, which is struck on a one-ounce silver piece round. Why would you trust what you have in regular silver bars or silver eagles when you can put in something holy? Because if this confiscation, the only thing that could be saved is if you had a medallion that's religious. If they take that, you don't have to worry about losing everything else because you've already taken, they've already got everything. You're, hand, you're out on the streets. It's not going to matter. So your last bastion of safety is that above the silver, before you get the silver, is land. The means to feed your mouth or your mouth of your children from your land to theirs, from your ground to your mouth. That's better than gold, and that's better than silver. But you can't do that today. You can do the other today. And, of course, now is an opportunity to buy. There's people that bought $30, even $40. Just hold on to it. It's going to be there. You just got to be patient. If you find the right land and you got the money and enough silver to do it, yeah, cash it out and just go get it because that's most important. I was talking to somebody the other day, had 4,000 acres, and he was saying, I said, you know, there could be a great devaluation of the property. She said, well, it doesn't matter to me. Because he's talking about selling this. He says, I'm just going to put it in more land. Why would that be the case? Because the land is what's valued. What good is silver? Silver just stores your labor. That's all it is. And if you're going to be doing that, why not turn it into a twofold purpose of bringing conversion to other people that 
silver is passed on to, that it would have a miraculous metal bringing them conversion. That works. We know it works. For 150 plus years, maybe 170 years now, we know the miraculous metal does this. And so be a thinking people. Do good. Not for yourself. Because when you're just looking for yourself, you're not doing good. You cannot help other people without helping yourself. That's a principle. That's a biblical principle. You cannot help others without yourself being helped. Why? Because what goes around comes around. Why just hold it in silver bars or gold bars when you can put it on a metal that when that's transferred back into cash, somebody's got it out there and they can convert. How beautiful it is to be thinking in the regular commerce of the day your regular activities, that you want to help other people with what you had long ago, long after you release it. This is the way it works. There's a lot of questions that can be asked financially about the situations, what, what's going on right now. Frank, give your contact information so they can call and ask you these questions. You can call us uh, toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can also... Uh, communicate with us online at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And we have a website, globalsilverinvestors.com, with general information for you. And uh, give us a call, and we can talk more about the birth pangs they're experiencing in Europe and and where we are in, in this uh, fiat money experiment. And uh, before we close, we do have uh, one question uh, before the end of the show here. And this is a question for a friend of Medjugorje. Uh, it says, would it be better to use one's funds to pay off debt or to attend the July 1st through 5th prayer retreat with Maria? Could you please advise? We are a family of seven. Well, the answer is real clear. Do both. Pay off your debt and come too. Start praying to our lady to show you how to do that. you got seven kids or seven people in your family. The older ones, tell them to go to work. Sacrifice. Get out of debt. Pray to our lady to give you the funds to do what you need to do. Don't don't pick one or the other. You gotta work to get out of debt, and you gotta work here to come. And you tell her I'm coming to get out of debt. Sacrifice. Make make sandwiches. How can you get down to buy a tent at Walmart? You can't pay free. Can you not scrounge enough and sacrifice to your fasting? And take that money and put that to the side that you're gonna eat anyway? And put that off just for your fuel money. Camping here is free. A tent's a hundred bucks. A shower's a quarter. Now even the showers here are free. And it's cold water. But that's all part of it. Where there's a will, there's a way. Don't accept a no. So until next time, we wish you Our Lady... We love you. Goodbye.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.